Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the three key ingredients for artificial intelligence success. Your discipline around data management, your discipline around developing your workforce and your critical skills. And the third one to me is your discipline around software development or your digital transformation. The race is on to smooth out the bumps in the TSP transition. We're bringing human beings on to help people at the call centers, and we're doing that as quickly as possible. And it's not all bad news for that transition. We have had more than 1,100 rollovers in this past week. 50,000 people have downloaded the app. It's Friday, June 10th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The first 40 U.S. Digital Corps fellows will start work later this month. The fellows will work at 13 agencies on two-year term assignments. The Technology Transformation Service at the General Services Administration manages the program. The Marine Corps will send up to 36 Marines a year to train at the Army's software factory. The Marine Corps Director of Information, Command, Control, Communications, and Computers, Brigadier General Joseph Matos, says the Marines will embed at the factory in Austin, Texas, quote, for a couple of years after they finish the training. Matos says the Corps is sending personnel to the Naval Postgraduate School for Tech Training, too. You can read more about these headlines and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. Tuesdays, the UiPath Together Summit FedScoop's hosting. You'll learn about automation from leaders in government and industry. It's happening at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. You can find a link to learn more and register in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Two-thirds of federal IT leaders say they're using the cloud for mission-critical applications now. More of those leaders say they trust the security of those cloud environments than trust data centers to secure their data. Donna Roy is Strategic Advisor for National Security at GuideHouse. She's former Executive Director of the Information Sharing and Services Office, the Department of Homeland Security, and former Chief Operating Officer at the Consumer Financial Protection Board. Donna, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program today. If this is the case, if two-thirds of federal IT leaders are in the cloud with mission-critical applications already, is it time that we can stop talking about moving to the cloud and start talking about doing the cloud? Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Um, absolutely. So I read this, uh, I read this article on um, FetchScoop, and um, you know, we've, it made me realize we've been talking about cloud or going to the cloud or doing something with the cloud for over 10 years. And uh, so it looks like the survey says two thirds of the government agencies are in or going and happy to um, proceed with mission critical applications. And we have a lot of um, credit goes to FedRAMP and continuous, you know, evaluation and things like that. But I think we can stop talking about going to the cloud, thankfully, after 10 years. And now start focusing on building the new capabilities that allow the greatest impact because we're in a better way of compute and storage, or also known as the cloud, um, such as the data-focused initiatives envisioned um, in the 2019 Evidence-Based Policymaking Act. Right? So let's get to the reason we went to the cloud, talk about those capabilities, and stop talking about going to the cloud. We're already there. What does that mean for the capability piece? You used that word, and I think that's great because... I don't think there's a single federal agency that ever established going to the cloud as the end state that was desirable. There was always a point to it, I hope. 
<laughs> and not just to do IT for IT's sake. And so what, what happens now to realize that capability vision that you just outlined, Donna? Absolutely. Um, so some, some agencies did go and focus just on moving, lift and shifting their capabilities to the cloud. And I don't know that they've started reinventing themselves in a way that allows them to leverage the cloud. Uh, I, I uh, also read in FetchGoop an article uh, from CDC um, that said they're improving their sharing in uh, their cloud system by connecting their clouds. That leads me to think, well, if they were early adopters, did they let a thousand flowers bloom? A lot like DOD strategy, everyone has their own cloud. Um, and now are they struggling? Um, the um, COVID reporting seemed to be um, a bit of an issue in the beginning. Um, and uh, vaccination tracking, I know, uh, irritates me. Uh, it irritates a lot of Americans. It's not consistent uh, when you travel across city lines, never mind state lines. So, so, so I would say uh, it's a CDC was a data first, and so they went and they created some really cool stuff in the cloud. Now they have to connect it because they can't share data across the clouds because they went and maybe their strategy was not as cohesive. Um, and so it's a little reverse for them. Uh, and then I, uh, so if you fast forward and you think, well, really the cloud, Google, Amazon, they all invented these techniques so that they could just process large amounts of data. Google can give you the search really fast. Um, Amazon can sell you something um, and recommend things that you would, I can't live without Amazon these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, the reason was uh, for enabling better use of data, but I think we, we get uh, maybe a little um, focused on just doing the cloud work. So now, now, you, um, now you have the capability to reinvent, to, um, to participate in this thing called the Industrial Revolution 4.0, right? You can um, uh, really use data uh, to the best. And now, if you look at what DOD is doing, they've centralized their digital and their AI capabilities. I think it's brilliant. Um, they were making progress in all areas. They hired a Silicon Valley executive, well-known, well-established. He comes in very quickly and says, I'm gonna be an advocate for um, solving software problems, um, which is a strange thing to say if you're the head of AI and the head of digital. But if you think about it, it's not really all that strange. Um, if you look at uh, AI, machine learning, those are the reasons we went to the cloud. Um, but if you're not good at three things, in my estimation, you're not good at three things, your discipline around data management, your discipline around developing your workforce and your critical skills. And the third one to me is your discipline around software development or your digital transformation. If those three aren't lined up, um, AI, you, you can succeed with very small success because you can't succeed very broadly. So um, it, it, uh, it, it took me back a little bit uh, having the sort of reading that headline on the article, but, but it makes sense to me. The headline in the article about the CDC, what, what jumped out at me was the word ecosystem. And my thought, well, and I don't mean to pick on the folks at CDC because I'm thinking about this asking questions as an amateur, not having an opinion as a professional, but is it possible that when we get to a situation with technology like the cloud, where we have to have an ecosystem that maybe we've made it too complicated, Donna? 
I think maybe their strategy was to let people go on their own. Um, and then they uh, and put in place, oh, maybe I need a hybrid strategy or maybe I need to tie these things together. And so some people started with that large strategy to begin with, and it took them a long time to get going, like DOD um, and the DISA, right? So they had these common services and, and it could be, I don't know it in depth like you uh, either, but CDC could have let their scientists go out and do some really innovative things that we're seeing now come out of research. Uh, in particular, um, CDC, NIH, the, the health services are really, really innovative when it comes to the use of data. So it could have been they, they allowed that to happen, but now they have to go back and clean it up. You make a point about the CDAO office, and you dropped me a note before we had this conversation about uh, another piece that's on fedscoop.com. We'll put a link in the show notes today at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Um, the story that the uh, House of Representatives now wants DOD to create a common language for information operators. They want to use the same terms. And you noted that anything like that is uh, DOD is a first mover. And other agencies take notice. And I, you're not the first person that said that. You know, I mean, it's probably 12 years ago, a uh, civilian CIO, and I, I asked this, I was just kind of learning what the community wants and where what the information they find useful and all that stuff. And um, this person said, uh, I always pay attention to what the Pentagon does because eventually it either I can learn something from that or I have to do it the way they're doing it or whatever and so that that came to mind both separately from your comments about the cdao office but also about this idea you you reference it directly in the in, in, when you pointed out the, this article about the common this common language on info operations yeah it's a it's a big week and so once a week or so i try to take that step back right so so don't have to talk about cloud anymore or going to it at least <laughs> um but maybe some people got there and didn't didn't have the right strategy and and you need to keep, be good at software but the thing that gives me hope is that the, at the end of this there's something that will <laughs> great greatness will happen in my in my lifetime i will see the things i have in my head uh <laughs> realized um and that's this this the so it's the um, national defense authorization act and a lot of things go in there not related to dod other agencies have to do very powerful so everyone watches it um the definition of common terms to solve a business problem is the beginning of a journey of um uh putting more parts together right and so um they tried this I, I read a little more in the, the details and they tried this in 2020. They, they said, come together and define these terms, information operations, information environment, um, information related capabilities, the thing you know that you use data for, um, and how does that add up to information warfare? Uh, and there's definitions across every service and probably knowing the services within the services there are definitions and so if they want to make now progress on how they share information or integrate information across the services in that sort of purple way when i was a marine we did things we called it purple do it the dod way um i'm excited i'm a data nerd and so when you start talking about common definitions then you start talking about having the right conversation about solving the problem um, in the same way so it's very exciting to me it looks like 
those strategies will have an impact on the broader um, efforts around integrating information, sharing information, and information security that we need to have to, um, uh, if DOD does it right, make impact on warfare. If other agencies follow that lead, uh, will have impact on information strategies. I'm going to defer to your grammatical usage, but my understanding is that one never was a Marine. One is a Marine and it's just no longer <laughs> on active duty. So when uh, I was wearing my uniform. I see. Back. <laughs> it's wonderful to see you, my friend. Thanks very much for joining me today, it as always. Great to see you. Thank you. You can read more about all the stories Donna mentioned in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. On Monday's show, a new name for the CMMC, the head of that board, Matthew Travis, is on Monday afternoon's Daily Scoop podcast. You'll find it at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. The technical piece of the Thrift Savings Plan's digital transformation is complete. Kim Weaver is Director of External Affairs at the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. Kim, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. The technical piece is complete. There are still some struggles for some people trying to get access to their accounts. Where are we now, and what does the timeline look like moving forward? Welcome. Thank you, Francis. Thank you for having me. So the, the transition that we just went through was more than just a new website. It's a complete modernization of our 401k um, record-keeping system. And so it's like switching banks, right? A complete lift and shift. Um, so the actual, if you'll excuse the expression, the actual guts of the matter is working. We are processing payrolls. We are um, processing loans, withdrawals. However, um, people experience difficulty logging into their account and that drove traffic to the call center, a lot of traffic to the call center. And so, um, we apologize. I mean, that's the only thing we can do is that our participants were experiencing delays are continue to experience delays that they shouldn't, um, However, we have been tweaking the online login process. And at this point, 91% of participants who try to log in are able to log in online. Um, and we have um, added call center reps. This just this week, we've added 150 people to the call centers. Um, and we are seeing gradual not sufficient, but gradual decrease in wait times. And of course, it's it's tied, right? The easier people can access their account online, the less they're going to call the call center. Um, but nonetheless, we just, the actual transition went very well. You know, we lifted and shifted, as I said, 26.3 billion records for 6.6 .6 million TSP participants. And we balanced... $743 billion down to the penny. So that all went well, but that doesn't overly matter if people can't get in and access their account. And that's what we're working on very urgently. I wonder how important it is to know what went wrong, but I think it's probably useful for people to understand what you did leading up to this to try to prevent something like this from happening and whether you've even had an opportunity yet to do a post-mortem and find out what might have went wrong. Leading up to this, we were going to have, we knew 
right? 6.5 million participants were going to have to log in and access their accounts. So we and our vendor went through extensive load testing to make sure that when people hit the server on the first couple days, weeks, that the servers would stay up and be robust. And that worked. What were problematic was that we had tweaked the security settings in such a way that it was causing immense difficulty. And obviously there's a constant balance between security settings and access, right? Um, And so we were reviewing those to make sure that the settings we had were the settings that were absolutely necessary. And some of those tweaks while maintaining security is what has allowed the online access to grow to 91%. Is there a way to predict or project when you will be at what you expected to be normal operating capability, Kim? In terms of online access, I think we are where we think we're going to be. I think 90, 91% is what we anticipated. There are always going to be people who fail for a variety of reasons. And, you know, it won't surprise you to know that there are, in fact, bad guys out there that we're trying to keep out. So um, that's that's where we are. Where we're now focusing on um, extensively is adding call center reps. Um, we knew the transition was going to be bumpy. And we actually said that at our May board meeting, T. Ramos, the director of our participant services, told our board that we expected difficulties at the call center. We did not expect the difficulties that we have seen. Um, and as I said, we're addressing them. We're bringing human beings on to help people at the call centers, and we're doing that as quickly as possible. What are the next steps beyond that to undertake for Converge? Or is that pretty, are you, once you get these under control, do you, are you, are you pretty yeah, much once set? We get, there, there are like um, one-offs, for example, there's a subset of participants, I happen to be one of them, where the beneficiary designations didn't transfer over into the new system. and they're still good. Like, should I, God forbid, get hit by a bus? My daughter is not going to scoop a whole bunch of money. It's going to, you know, be, <laughs> be flowed where it needs to flow. But um, that's, those are the kinds of things now where there are sort of a subset of participants or a subset of issues that need to be addressed, tweaking the, tweaking the uh, website to make sure that people are, um, the traffic is being directed the way we want it to be. But again, uh, you know, we have had more than 1,100 rollovers in this past week. 50,000 people have downloaded the app. So um, all of that is moving as we would want it to move. Are you getting feedback from people yet on the app? That was a big attraction to doing this in the first place, uh, given your quest, as you've told me many times over the years, you want to provide the same services through the TSP that people get through a private sector retirement plan. I have not seen any comments yet about the app. I can tell you, I I really like it. I downloaded it, <laughs> but I may be slightly biased, um, but it, it is very nice to be able to log in on your phone and, and do, you know, 
practically everything you could do online. All right. Um, for the first time in a while, you have a full cohort and a fresh cohort of uh, board members at the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. What's what's happening there and, and why is that a big deal? Well, um, our board members can serve past the end of their term because they're fiduciaries and we need people to, to be managing the program. And our current board members have been serving past the end of their term for quite some time. So uh, just yesterday, the Senate confirmed Michael Gerber, uh, Stacey Oliveris, Leona Bridges, and Dana Bilyeu, who's a current board member, but she's been re-confirmed um, for another term. And so those four plus David Jones, we will have five board members for the first time in uh, two years. So uh, we're very excited to have new board members to work with. Congratulations on that. And uh, thank you very much for explaining what's going on with Converge and uh, appreciate your time as always, Kim. Thank you, Francis. You can read more about the TSP transition in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Daily Scoop podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help me put the show together every day, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast returns Monday afternoon with Matthew Travis from the CMMC board. Until then, have a great weekend. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.